0: And welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy-rated TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by Richie von Sexington. How's things, Richie?
1: Not bad at all, my friend, not bad. It's been a while since we uh, set this one up, but uh, I've been looking forward to doing this.
0: Yeah, me too, mate. This was um, a real surprise packet for me. Um, two really enjoyable shows that just took us out of our comfort zone a little bit. Um, do you want to tell everyone what it is we're reviewing this time around?
1: Well, we're going for the uh, perennial favourite of the late 90s, Beyond the Mat, uh, against a, uh, what appears to be a little-known gem of Louis Theroux meeting uh, wrestlers uh, doing his weird weekends where he spends... Uh, Uh, Probably, but although it claims it's a weekend, I believe it's probably nearer a week. Just going around seeing different subcultures of America, and obviously, late nineties wrestling was uh, quite popular.
0: So this, I'd never actually heard of Louis through before. You recommended this one to me. How big was it over there at the time in the UK?
1: It's a funny one. He's—he's—he's. He, he's, he's, well, when I want to say massive. He's not like a, like a massive star. He just does. He, he's, he's migrated onto more like serious documentaries. He did like. Uh, yeah, I think after this series, he did like spending a weekend with like strange British uh, celebrities. One of which was Jimmy Savile. So, uh, uh, for anyone who's not aware of Jimmy Savile, I, I recommend not looking him up. Uh, uh, and uh, then as time's gone by, he's done more and more sort of like serious documentaries. But he's always had this same kind of like uh, patter, which I, I, I've, uh, I think is probably what makes this so uh, enjoyable to watch. So at the time, I think these are more when you go back to watch him. I don't remember it being... It's like Saturday Night on BBC Two kind of fodder, which only means something if you live in Britain. But Saturday Night on BBC Two is not known for uh, big TV programming.
0: Fair enough. And yeah, like he's on um, Amazon Prime for me over here in Australia. And I was just flicking through after the episode to see what else he covered. And yeah, lots of episodes on pedophiles. So it's um, <laughs> certainly an interesting uh, mix of things that he looks into.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, yeah, he's just one of those uh, sort of like documentary makers that whoever he goes to see, you, you kind of, he never feels like he's, I don't know how to put it. He just, he just seems to be asking the questions everyone would do.
0: Fair, Um, yeah, and obviously we're going up against Beyond the Mat, which probably needs no introduction for anyone listening to this show. I can't imagine you you religiously listen to this podcast and haven't seen Beyond the Mat. But if you're in that category, then probably go and watch it.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a product of its time.
0: Now, out of curiosity, which show did you watch first, Richie? Which show did you watch first?
1: I have seen Louis through that many times. I went for Beyond the Mat.
0: All right, well, let's flick to Beyond the Mat then. And start there, shall we?
1: Yep, let's go for it.
2: I don't know why I like it. I just always have. This is where I first became addicted. I'd spend countless hours planted in front of the TV mesmerized by these images of these strong guys taking matters into their own hands. Watching. Fantasizing. Thirty years later, I'm a screenwriter with a wife and two kids. I still watch wrestling. I just don't tell a lot of people about it. Can you blame me? Can you imagine the level of a mind that watches wrestling? I don't care. I love the pageantry the athleticism, even the incredibly cheesy acting. I look at wrestling as theater at its most base, and guess what? So do most of the fans. We know what's going on. Is it sport? Is it entertainment? It's both. It's, um, wrestling. Now let's get something straight. I know wrestling is a show, but it's not as fake as you think. Of course, the winners of the matches are predetermined and the violence is choreographed. However, the result of the violence is very real. All these years watching wrestling, one thought still swirls in my mind. What sort of human being bashes another man's skull into a ring post for a living? Who are these guys?
0: As you would have heard in the intro there, this is a very much a deep dive into, uh, wrestling and the American wrestling scene in, this was what, 98, 99, 97, this started filming, I want to say, um, somewhere in that region, um, and we actually start out with Vince McMahon after seeing the, um, the The receptionist in WWF headquarters, Titan Towers, um, who basically just shows the phone constantly ringing with her going, "Good morning, World Wrestling Federation." Um, before we very quickly splice into Vince and one of his favourite all time quotes. Um, have you got this one here written down, Richie? Uh,
1: I've got to be honest. I, I was, I was that enthralled in watching this film after twenty years. I, I kind of laid back a little bit on the notes just to,
0: just to soak it all in okay well for anyone who like has heard parodies of vince over the years and thinks oh it can't be that bad vince mcmahon in the very first um sort of couple of minutes of beyond the mat we make movies (laughs) yeah uh
1: it's 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 not you can see where he's going at this point, can't you?
0: Absolutely. And we get the um, we get the pull puller JR for one of his six favorite quotes with as long as there's an ass every 18 inches. And then very quickly, we go to meet Darren Drozdov, which I will splice a little bit of that in right about here.
3: Sorry again for keeping you. Oh, that's fine. yeah. Darren, what's,
4: what's up, Darren? What's up?
3: How's it going? Quite frankly, what we've come up with is... Since you are able to regurgitate you know on command um, it, it just seems to me that 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 it's pretty logical that you should be puke you know
2: okay.
3: um, puke has a a nice connotation to it, you know I mean it's like you got animal, you got hawk, you got puke you know, and it shouldn't be just plain puke, it should be puke, you know so after you've regurgitated on one of your opponents or on the referee itself, then, of course, the ring announcer would you know, then say your name. Okay. And then again, it, it's like since you've got the fundamentals and so forth and I think you're ready to go with it, I, I think that you know, puke, is, puke is good, I think <laughs> puke is nice.
2: See, I've never heard that, that's great. Yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> Everybody you
0: know?
3: always gives me stuff about it, that's good. No, it's, it fits the WWF attitude.
0: What did you think of this um, first meeting with Draws, Richie?
1: It's well, right now, it's difficult to look at this and then realise that this directly links to a, a man unable to move. Uh, to anyone who, again, anybody who's listening to this who doesn't know of Darren Draws North, uh, what basically happens is that, is later on in his career, is an unfortunate accident with D'Lo Brown uh, and a power bomb, but. Uh, Taking this aside, you can see how they were getting these personalities in uh to the WWF at that time because this guy is his only sort of like skill is he can puke and I'd like to say he doesn't really do that very well.
0: No, he definitely doesn't, does he? No.
1: <laughs> like right, he's gonna puke and then he just flemms up. It's like what what's this all about? I mean but but you know so you got Vince going, he's gonna
0: puke <laughs>
1: And and, and and all this and it's just it's bizarre because you've got all the, the, the other WWE executives sat around WF executives sat around Vince talking to this guy about puking. Not in probably in the same way he talked to Scott Hall and didn't know about Scarface or was trying to sell Ted DiBiase uh, the million dollar man gimmick. Uh but at no point I think he ever asked, Can you wrestle?
0: <laughs> we'll teach him the wrestling, we just need him to be able to puke.
1: But it's not even that impressive. (laughs)
0: Um, Beyond the Map bounces around uh, between the WWF and it features um, quite heavily on Vince McMahon, um, Mankind, Draws and China later on in the show. And... Between the WWF, it then goes to a wrestling school, which we'll get to in just a moment, um, to look at up-and-comers, and then a couple of people on the other end of their career, Terry Funk and Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, but next up in, in uh, Beyond the Mat, the next segment, we actually go to APW, where promoter Roland Alexander is there, um, basically <laughs> stealing cash off all the guys that worked for him. Um, this movie quite quickly paints him as the villain of the piece.
1: Oh, he is an absolute shit. Like, he, he couldn't be more carny if he tried.
0: I'll, um, I'll splice a couple of key uh, clips in here. Um, basically, one is where we meet Tony, who is the star student, who tells us sometimes we get $10, sometimes we don't get paid, followed quite quickly by Roland saying, my guys always get paid. Um, it's, um, it's pretty funny.
2: I
3: work at Visa right now. I've been working at Visa for about two and a half years, and I'm pretty content there. I mean, I make, I make pretty good money. Come back. I usually get about $25, $25 to do a Jim Moore show. I take all the damage for $25, and um, I use the experience to try to better myself and get out of there. Don't get me wrong, there's times when we don't get paid at all. $25 sometimes is a, is a privilege. He tells you that he doesn't pay you unless he feels that you had a good match and you're worth it. They get paid after every show and they're loving it, you know, and and they're getting paid well. I I really believe that I'm probably the best indie promoter as far as payoffs are concerned. You know, there's no excuse for not paying someone. You have to be a prick in this business. If you don't, the wrestlers will run all over you.
1: Now, this is 97, which is known as the sort of like boom, the start of the boom again in wrestling. Uh, ECW is, although hemorrhaging money, is still popular. There's there's money in wrestling at this point. I mean, it's it's on record that even, like, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, if they could have, like, hung on until this point would would have been a going concern. And this guy's like, yeah, yeah, you might get paid, you might not. You might get $10. People, people were still going to see wrestling shows that weren't the F at this point. The, the territories might have been gone, but there was still,
0: like, some draw. Absolutely. We then also see... Um... Mike Modest, who he says is his his star student. Um, Mike Modest, I think, is his favorite guy. Tony seems to be the one that the WWF is more enthralled with as we get to that later on. So the two key guys at APW at the time. We then go to JR, who is with um, Mike and Tony. They're backstage for a tryout um, with the WWF. Roland says, oh, it's so big and complex. I hope APW never gets to that point. And I just think, yep, you should be pretty safe with that one.
1: one. I think that sums up Roland to a T. Because, like, who starts any venture and goes, you know what? I'd like this not to make me too much money.
0: (laughs) Well, making money seems to be his primary concern here because we are informed that if either of these guys get signed, Roland gets 20% of their money. And I just wonder how he's managed to keep the spirit of Vern Garnier going in wrestling for so long.
1: Literally. It's not even like he's a name in wrestling. He's just a dude with a barn. (laughs) Same as Vern, I guess. (laughs) Vern was a dude with a barn, I suppose.
0: <laughs> it's, it's something about the barns.
1: Like, you just wouldn't... If, if this guy came up to you in any walk of life or you took your, your car in to get fixed by him or who's coming to do some painting in your house, you just go, yeah, thanks. No, I, we've decided not to at this <laughs> go, point. I'm
0: going to look at other options.
1: Yeah. He then... He's the Lionel Hutz <laughs> of wrestling promoters. <laughs>
0: He then listens as um, JR and Vince hype up his two lads um, watching a, their dark match on a monitor backstage, and then he uses that to gas up the lads thinking they're going to get signed when they come out afterwards. This whole scene, just it just made him look a bit like less than, didn't it? Like he was just kind of hanging around, trying not to be caught, listening in on JR and Vince, and then playing the big shot when the, when the boys came back after their match.
1: Yeah, this guy was totally out of his depth, and uh, if anything, probably... And I don't think it's any spoilers here to say the guys don't get signed. Uh, I think his presence there probably only adds to that because, like, I think I think Cornet's watching the, uh, the the screen as well, and they're all just saying, "Yeah, they're not bad. Need to put a bit of weight on." There's there's nothing wrong with them, but I just don't think they they the dickhead that came with them actually helped. No,
0: definitely not. Um, we then chop out to Terry Funk and we get a bit of a rundown about him. Um, we see that he's struggling to get out of bed in the morning and I can definitely relate to that these days. Um, and for some reason, we spend 45 minutes listening to him say say forever on loop, like there's a broken record in the video. Yeah, it's an odd one, though, isn't it? <laughs> His family want him to retire. Spoiler alert, they don't get their own way. He's, in, he, he's probably in... Um, He's in ECW at this point in the program, but he's probably trying to get a relaunch off the ground tomorrow, knowing Terry Funk.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, again, it's no shock. He, he he he's looking to retire here. He comes back as Chainsaw Charlie uh, in the WWF. Then he's in the Old Age Outlaws in WCW, <laughs> and then he was then he was wrestling on and off in the two thousands, and I'm not sure if he ever pops into TNA. I can't remember him being back in WWF doing any wrestling, but I'm, I'm sure, like, his last match was in the last, like, in the 2010. We well,
0: definitely appeared at one of the um, one-night stand events in the mid-2000s for WWF slash ECW, so he definitely had at least one 2005, 2006-ish program.
1: program. Yeah, he's with uh, Mick Anywhere. Mick Foley's done some strange turning heel shit with Molina. Yep. Oh, okay.
0: yeah
1: yeah don't don't go back and see that guys it's Mick Foley is least likable <laughs> um,
0: we then see um, Joey Styles doing promos in Paul Heyman's mum's basement um, which is probably where the like mum's basement wrestling cliche came from uh, we see his mum actually ironing in the background which is just hilarious we get a classic Paul E promo which I will splice in right about now <laughs>
5: The 17 million homes that have availability for this show tonight will pay $20, hopefully, for the privilege to see you guys do what you have done for three and a half years. Thank Terry Funk for all he's done for this company, for help putting us on the map, for being unselfish in selfish times, for taking the young guys and showing them a better way. Tonight we have a chance to say yeah, you're right. We're too extreme. We're too wild. We're too out of control. We're too full of our own shit. Or we have a chance to say, hey, fuck you, you're wrong. Fuck you, we're right. Because you have all made it to the dance. Because believe me, this is the dance.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the nice show.
0: And then we see Terry Funk winning the ECW title with seconds remaining on the pay per view, um, and we get a little rundown of the Cactus Jack Terry Funk friendship. Um, Terry Funk comes across as just like someone who can't let go, but quite lovable or, or at least likable in in this segment here. Did you did you fit, find that as well, Richie, or did you take exception with the old man who won't give up?
1: Now, there's there's something about Terry Funk, and like you say, the. You know, the the, the cowboy with the one last uh, hurrah, even though he had, like, 15 last hurrahs. Uh, And he just... I I can't hate him for it. I think part of it is uh, that he's actually still pretty good. It doesn't seem to be hanging on and, like, doing crap. I know he was, like... He, like, turns 50 and goes, I think I'm going to learn how to moonsault. I kind of won't... Like Stuff like that, I kind of give him credit for as opposed to, I'm just going to collect a check.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I I tend to agree there. Um, From there, we head over to another lovable guy in wrestling at the time, Mick Foley, who calls himself the most normal WWF superstar. We see some of his home footage from when he was younger. Um, And then we see his very, very young children at the time. For anyone who, like sees uh Noel Foley on social media these days. Um, it's very jarring to see her as like a child on this video and think, fuck, I, I was literally watching wrestling when she was a kid and now she's like, all over Twitter and whatnot. And we also see a very young Dave Meltzer, um, which is fascinating to me as well. Um, They show Mick Foley to be a quite normal guy. They do play an incoherent voicemail. He played for the producers while he was concussed. And then they talk about risk and reward and longevity in the business. So Mick Foley here definitely comes across as one of the most likable characters in wrestling for me.
1: And I always find when I listen to him talk about his risk versus reward somehow, he manages to justify it, even though the lengths he will go to is absolutely ridiculous.
0: Absolutely. From there, we go to the darker portion of Beyond the Mat, and it's Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, we see people talking um, him up, so JR, Vince McMahon, etc. Um, and then we see a local indie promoter telling us that Jake refused to wrestle if they didn't get him some crack, Um the narrator tells us that we're in a, an Alaska show, which is about as low as you can go when you look at it. It looks, um, sorry, they say it's about as low as you can go, but it actually looks pretty packed, all things considered, for for an indie. I guess I don't get much live wrestling out in Alaska. But, um, yeah, this was a real shock to the system, seeing Jake the Snake Roberts demanding crack to wrestle in Alaska.
1: Especially, like, I mean, I know now, again, looking back, we've had the uh, the retribution, is it, of Jake the Snake that documentary DDP and we we've, we've there was the uh Beyond the Matt Grizzly Smith documentary with Jake the Snake. Uh we know a lot more about like what he grew up with and what he did but like to see like Jake the Snake in I don't I don't know when this like this portion was filmed but like he's only 2 years out of King of the Ring 3 possibly with, with Austin.
0: Yeah. Uh
1: yep. And to see that this is what happened to him was ab- absolutely blew my mind when I watched it the first time, and even now, it's it's hard to it's hard to watch.
0: Absolutely, um, we see him leave the show. He blows off some autographs, gets into a van for the long trip, and then we get some like you know we skip ahead to some of his interviews for the show, and he tells us that his dad raped a child, which was his mum, and his sister married a fifty year old, um, and then. He, his um ex-wife was kidnapped and and murdered it's just a it's a dark story this part here and this this is where it really hits home like the the troubled life that Jake the Snake has had
1: yeah it's, it's the uh yeah like you say there's there's no part of his childhood that wasn't either uh ruined by drugs sexual abuse or uh like, say, his sister getting kidnapped and killed by his hus- by her new husband's ex-wife and never they never found the body. I mean, uh, so this isn't necessarily all in the, the programme because, obviously, there was, there's been more information out. But, uh, like, it's this guy... And, and, and I think, you know, one way, whether you look at one... Way, I mean, we're getting quite serious here, but Jake, Jake is someone who I think is actually quite... He's uh, quite sensitive. Seems seems to me to be quite a sensitive person. So, like... All this shit, just
0: he just he just can't cope. Yeah, I agree. Um, we then fast forward to China, and you know a bit of a rundown of others in the federation as well, which is quite a jarring jump from from one to the other. Um, but it is it probably like gets you back out of that that dark place. She talks about being feminine but fit. Um, we then go to excuse me. <coughs> 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 Oh God, my bad. Um <laughs> we get to run through of some other crazy characters in wrestling. So Spike Duddy, who's a, a Spike Duddy, Spike Dudley, a third grade teacher. Um, he talks about going from teaching the third grade to blading. Coco Beware, who's trying to recapture his prime, Jesse Ventura, who's moved into politics, and Vince McMahon who's stepped into the drink into the into the God, into the ring. And then New Jack, who tells us he's had four justifiable homicides. So, what a um a cast of characters that little segment there just basically tries to show the diverse bunch of weirdos that are in professional wrestling.
1: Can you imagine doing this now and again? I'm not I'm not harking back to the old days, but like these would be four people who probably sit in the locker room uh, on their phones or playing their switches or whatever they do. Like, don't get in any trouble really. There, there, there seems to be a lot less of like this, like justifiable homicides and, and stuff like that. It's just, it's, it's funny how the world has changed. I mean, I'm not going to say they're all perfect because there was the uh, shouting out movement last year which uh, proved that they're just as sleazy as uh, some of them are just as sleazy as in the past, but like, you just don't get, like, New Jack I don't even think would get a look in nowadays well, I suppose Nick Gage
0: Yeah <laughs> he made a good point
1: Delete that last bit I went all the way through there and then I remembered Nick Gage exists And I'm like oh, but... I can
0: just sit here And listen to you Argue with yourself If you like <laughs>
1: Yeah Yeah But it tends to happen
0: <laughs> We then get the um, The new Jack audition uh, I'll play that famous line Right about here Thank you Thanks so I could see real yeah. possibilities With him I think he could be A leading man You do really? Absolutely Absolutely I think he's
5: got a great face I think he's got sexuality Charm
1: I think
3: there's a lot of potential yeah. there. I really do. But I, I mean, as far as the leading man thing, it's just that this is... He's Guy. a little
0: character. E- I, right? yeah. I think he'll be the best friend. I think he'll be Denzel's pal. I don't think he'll be Denzel. And um, yeah, we get told by the most disin- disingenuine woman on the planet that he probably wouldn't be Denzel, but he could be Denzel's pal.
1: Like, Why? Would, would you tell... uh New Jack, he couldn't star in a film if he turned up for filming on day one. No.
0: <laughs> it just gets there and tells Denzel we're swapping lines and nobody has the nerve to argue.
1: Yeah, Denzel's like, well, who's this guy? And New Jack's like, do you want, do you want to go up some scaffolding?
0: <laughs> oh, my Lord. Um, we then get the the brilliant announcement that Terry Funky is going to retire and 1997 will be his final year. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, that doesn't happen.
1: <laughs> no, I, th- I think he would be, uh, I think he's in ill health now, but I'm sure he was doing stuff in like 2016.
0: Um, we see two guys over from England to see his final match. Um, <laughs> they've probably spent a lot in air fares over the years. And then we go to my absolute favourite part of the documentary. It's Dennis Stamp. Dennis. Oh
1: Denny stamp this this entirely takes me back to the uh, wrestle crap forums where every other like response to to, uh, to a comment would be, I
0: wasn't booked. <laughs> I still say to this day, I'm not booked. I just love it. Um, I'm not booked. He's on a trampoline in his underwear, holding two little weights, jumping. And it's just <laughs> the absolute best. Um, he tells us he's not had a match since 1991, but his phone could ring at any time. So he stays in shape.
1: <laughs> but, uh, I'm not booked. Yeah, but come along, man but I'm, I'm, I can't come along. I'm not booked.
0: He just acts like an absolute prick making Terry Funk feel guilty for not booking him and you know refuses to go to his friend's show because he's not booked. Oh, just what an absolute bell end. bell end. I just love it. It's
1: like this is this could be Terry Funk's end of a 30 year 20 year career at this point. Uh could he could actually retire? I mean, you know, he doesn't. <laughs> And, and he, like you say, one of his mates is like, yeah, I can't come. Oh, why not? you if, 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 if going to a funeral? No. Kids getting married? No. No. Have you got to go to the hospital? No. Why can't you come? Not booked.
0: <laughs> and then Terry Funk like gives him the refereeing gig for the main event, which is going to be him and Bret Hart. Um, we see there's a big crowd for the show. Funk has presented a lifetime ECW title, but Bret gets the win on a back suplex. And this whole time, I'm just thinking... Poor fucking referee. So there was some referee that that night thought they were going to referee Terry Funk's retirement match against WWF champion Brett the Hitman Hart. And he got there to the show and they went, sorry, Terry's old mate's doing it instead.
1: Yeah, he was booked. (laughs)
0: He was booked.
1: (laughs) What a a twat.
0: Oh, my God. We go back to Jake. Um, We meet his eldest daughter. Um, who brings friends to the meeting as she's nervous to be around Jake. It's a five-minute meeting, and they go to their room for the night. Um, She hints that she's thought about suicide, which takes us to a bit of a dark place. Um, It's it's definitely the darkest part of the documentary. Um, He leaves his daughter, and a few hours later, he's caught on camera smoking crack. So the big effort to get back with her. They chat for five minutes, and he's off to get high.
1: Yeah, he's in no... uh... No position right now
0: uh, to, for recovery. Absolutely not. We then see footage of the I Quit match, which is probably what made Beyond the Map favorite, uh, famous. Sorry, um, And we see them discussing the match backstage. Um, I forgot that Austin actually said hello on camera, which considering he wouldn't be seen for um, the Hitman Heart documentary, um, it was interesting that he just popped up on this one, even though it's only briefly. There's lots of discussion shown of the finish. Um, Lots of backstage guys are seen. Um, We see his wife watching uh, in the crowd, sorry, and the kids screaming, and he feels totally awful when he sees that footage. Um, And he says he was... Pretty fucked up. After he, he saw the footage, and regrets it later on, which you can absolutely for anyone that's that's not sure what match we're referencing, it's a I I Quit match at the Ninety Nine Rumble, where supposedly he was supposed to get four or five chair shots in the rock hits him with with eleven or twelve, I think it is. Uh, it's pretty gruesome.
1: Yeah, it's it's horrible to watch, and and, and, and I'm not, sh- I mean, to not to lay blame, but I'm not sure what they were thinking putting his kids in the front row. Because even watching your dad get smacked in the head with one chair shot, yep. like the kids either the kids know that dad's getting hit with a chair, so they either know it's they're either going to know it's real because he's getting hit in the head with a chair, or they're going to know it's 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 fake wrestling and aren't going to react. So they obviously think he's in trouble, or they're doing one of the greatest acting. All three of them are doing one of the greatest acting jobs of all time.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a bit horrendous, a bit gruesome. Um, this pretty much brings us to like the home stretch where they wrap up everybody's stories. Um, Tony and Mike, surprise, surprise, never got the call from the WWF. Roland is still running APW. The Funk is not retired as of press time. Um, Jake's been to jail and not seen his daughter again since the filming of the documentary. Draws did make it, even though, as you mentioned at the, the start of this episode, that it doesn't end well for him. ECW at the... Um, release of this movie was still going the wwf had just gone public and then they mentioned right at the end that three weeks after the um the finalization of this draws was paralyzed so um a bit of a mixed bag to the wrap-up of the stories there but i felt it really it it gave a really good um idea of what goes on in wrestling and the different characters and how diverse the stories can be um showed the good and the bad and i I thought it was a a pretty fair honest look backstage at, at wrestling what did you think richie
1: no, I think, although it is aged, I think he, the people that are in it are actually a good dichotomy of, of, of wrestling itself from, you know, obviously the, the lower-level sleaze. And Mick Foley, I think, is the one that, it's like also with his books, have proven that, like, wrestlers can be intelligent. They just want to wrestle. Like, I don't think I think anybody's thought of, like, that before that people would pick wrestling as a career and it was something that you just kind of got into. Whereas I think I think this this documentary, and certainly like his books later on, kind of legitimizes it's it's actually you know something that normal people would do. Uh, no, I think it's I think it's really good it's really interesting to watch, like this much time away from when it was released because of that, because it's interesting to see how the the business has changed in the past. 20 years, 30, 20 years, uh, 20 and a bit years, uh, uh, maybe, maybe away from this, maybe a bit worse, maybe a bit better. I I think it's probably better for anybody in the big companies now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This, um, I think, you know, between this and obviously a lot of the deaths in the early 2000s, um, was really the start of the tide turning where the WWF just couldn't hide from what they were doing anymore and actually had to start trying to clean up their act a little bit.
1: Yeah, that, I think, you know, once you've gone public, uh, and as good as Jerry, Div- uh, Jerry, Div- Jerry... McDivitt? The the lawyer who's name, McDivitt, yeah, uh, is, they they would have been sooner or later on the hiding of a massive lawsuit if they hadn't have made changes. that. Because I think part of the reason the lawsuits are dealt with is because they did make changes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, people will argue, oh, they don't wrestle. They all wrestle the same and uh, they do this and do that and this removes band and stuff like that. I'm not necessarily saying it's any better, but at least it's an attempt to make it a bit safer.
0: Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's plenty of, as we talk about on this show all the time, um, there's plenty of issues with modern wrestling, but at least guys aren't dying left, right and centre. I just think there's a... There's a happy medium there somewhere where the show can be entertaining without murdering half the cast every five years.
1: Five years, yeah, yeah, uh, and and if it means that they don't uh, get addicted, most most of the downfalls usually are either uh, taking something to build their bodies up or taking something to kill the pain that they're suffering from doing things that uh, they're either not trained to do or like, like, like you know, th- th- there have been many arguments about like, like. Is there a such thing as a safe chair shot to the head? Right. The wrestling wrestlers will say yeah, but that's one. You look at Mick Foley in this; he takes eleven full-blown metal chair shots to the head. Whether it's working or not, that that that's not pleasant. Your head's not built to do that. No. So, no. I think that highlighting stuff like that. Certain so, and didn't they want to? Didn't the WWE basically try and block this being released?
0: I think they did. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty certain they did.
1: And I would have thought that's entirely around that bit because they see the discussion between Foley and uh, and and the Finnish people and and the Rock, and then they see what actually you see what happens. And although actually it wasn't, I was going to say it made a great visual. It doesn't. It's actually really uncomfortable to watch. Uh, But once you've seen what they decided to do and what they did, and then that's out in the public, you leave yourself open, I think, for people whose lives have been ruined by it to come back and say, well, you forced me to do this X, Y, and Z, or, you know, it's just, especially in America where it's far more litigious.
0: I agree completely.
1: But I will I will say that uh, if I never see a suicide dive again where somebody nearly breaks their neck, I can live with that, for about modern-day wrestling.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think it'd be nice just to see not have one before every commercial break on every episode of Raw.
1: Yeah, it's not really a suicide break. It should just be cool, a suicide dive it should just be cool. I don't go into the break.
0: Yeah. The commercial break dive doesn't have quite the same ring to it. No. Well, that brings us to the halfway point of the show. Um and I guess what we've been doing recently is one of two things, either talking about some um, wrestling memorabilia or we've been doing like these quick two-minute movie reviews. So, Richie, have you got any wrestling re- memorabilia that's popped into your head or have you seen any good movies recently?
1: recently. Actually, I've actually watched some films. What have you watched? So, what uh, have you watched? I, uh, I watched The Suicide Squad. Good but dumb.
0: Never, ne- It's never kind seen of like the
1: Attitude, never, never, never seen yeah, Attitude Era kind of wrestling if I wanted to link it and I watched The Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds that is actually far better than it has any justification to be you see the uh, adverts you would be like god that looks garbage or you'd be just like oh I know what that's all about you know kind of like how good could that be and uh, we uh, watched it the other week and it's, it's actually really good uh, so yeah yeah because most of the time they're not unlike uh, wrestling films any films based on computer games tend to be garbage yeah because the, they just they insult you as a, as a fan of the medium uh, by inventing shit <laughs> that doesn't exist. Uh, but no, no, free guy. I, I I won't go too 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 much into it. But I would say it's it's good. It does. It's kind of one of them things where you know exactly where it's going, but you're not at any point offended by doing that.
0: Fair fair. I've um, I'm glad you watched them because I've not watched any films recently. I'm currently um, alternating between watching The Last Dance for the third time. Um, big. Michael Jordan fan here, and um, my wife and I are watching the um, the show based on the Silence of the Lambs characters, um, Clarice, which I can highly recommend. Um, we've gotten really into that, so if you haven't watched Clarice and you're not sick of the um, the various iterations of the um, the Hannibal story, go and check that one out as well.
1: Might give that a go. Where are we filming?
3: How
4: you doing? BBC, BBC Two. How's it going, BBC Louis? Two for one. BBC Two for. I know what BBC Two is for what? Yeah, for, for a documentary series on American subcultures. Good well, to see you, you again. What subculture filming? Wrestling. Or are you filming a wrestling subculture movie? Hey. So you are. Yeah, we are. Yeah. do You know who I am? Um. If you're filming a documentary on wrestling, you have no idea who I am. We've only just started, to be honest. Wait, I mean, didn't you do a little research before you started this endeavor? No. <laughs> I was travelling through the American South on a mission to find out about the most popular sport in America, which isn't really a sport
0: Alright, it's time to have a look at Louis Theroux's Weird Weekends um, specifically the edition on wrestling and while Beyond the Mat focused more on the WWF, this one looks a little bit more at WCW, also looks at an indie as well, which is AIPW um, and splits the focus between the two um, the setup here is really funny at the start. We're talking to Raven, um, who's like pointing his finger in the camera, being a total gimmick. He sat with Berlin, a.k.a. Alex Wright, and um, <laughs> the very start of this cracks me up because Louis has no idea who Raven is before the intro. It is so funny. It is so funny.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's like you're supposed to uh, do some investigation and research before you doc- do a documentary, and it's like Louis Theroux tries to unlearn anything he might have picked up beforehand.
0: Yeah, and this just sets the scene. Um, As he's introducing as to what he's doing today, he tells us wrestling is the most popular sport in America, which gets a giggle out of me. Um, He chats to some producer, and then he gets backstage at WCW, and the first thing we see is Macho Man blowing him off completely and refusing to appear on camera. He's pretty pissed off about being asked, And then he meets Roddy Piper, who's also pissed off, but does sort of cut a work shoot promo on the camera here, which I'll splice in forever on.
5: I uh, just, uh, just came in the building and you shot a camera in my face. How's it going? <laughs> I'm going to fight some giant with hair coming out of his nose and green teeth tonight. I'm 232 pounds and he's going to be 7 foot 2, yeah. 400 pounds. How am I doing? I'm doing this. Terrible. That's how I'm doing.
4: Now, you're not your classic beefed up guy, I mean, you're a muscly guy, but you're not super duper muscly. Is that, how does that work as a wrestler?
5: I've, I've killed him for lesser than
4: that. Oh, no,
5: no, no. <laughs> uh, Yeah, well. <laughs> well, May I ask how old you are now? I, I turn, April 17th, I turn 45. Wow. And they still can't beat me, <laughs> 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 all right? So you should've caught my act when I was 29. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. I would've made love to you. <laughs> no,
4: it's fairly it odd, yeah. Yeah. Now, what is it, what, could you, you've been in the game for a while, can you run us through a list of your injuries? Just sure. Just to give a sense of what you got uh, right
5: rotator cuff is torn in half, necks busted in two places, right hip uh, is titanium. This wrist here, get a good shot of that wrist there. Wow. That one's been broken for seven years. They want to f- fuse that one. But I played the bagpipes. I came fifth in the world playing the bagpipes. And if they fuse it, it'll disturb my bagpipe playing. So is your
4: bagpipe in there? What's <laughs> in there? Can we right look at that?
5: Uh, yeah, it's all, it's all my sexual detachments. No, That's what's in through. there. That would be exciting, because it you moves it Here we go, folks. Simple as this. Underneath here, you guys are killed. There's my boots, there's my sport, and there's my brush. There's my poke and my toothbrush, and all that kind of good stuff. My t-shirts with the whole nine yards. My towels in my hand. Here's my water. That's it. It's all I need, man. Wrestling trunks, It's like boots. a brief
4: taste for a day in the office, except you're going in the ring, and you get a pound fee. Yeah, now listen. I got to take a pee. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Really, seriously, thank you. Wow.
0: How did you think Piper came across here in the early portion of this show?
1: Relatively likable. I don't. I don't think he particularly appreciated this English documentary person probably getting in his way. Uh, certainly, knowing WCW, he probably didn't even wasn't even uh, made aware that he was there. But I think Piper holds his, holds his end up. He doesn't like go too far into kayfabe, but just keeps it nice, so you're
0: not insulted. Yeah, and um, a weird portion where he's basically showing what's in his luggage, which is just a bit strange. A bit
1: strange. Yeah, like his airbrush. But
0: but I thought Piper came across quite likeable here. Um, He then interviews Berlin, and actually he comes across quite likeable, and he's happy to sort of shed light on the fact that he's trying out a new character um, at the moment and actually give some insight. He probably comes across as the most helpful of all the WCW guys uh, backstage at this show.
1: Yeah, uh, let's put it this way. Savage does not come across well. Piper probably uses his knowledge of working in Hollywood to know when to cooperate in a certain way. And Berlin's just like, yeah, come in. Come behind the curtain.
0: And then the opposite of that is Bill Goldberg, who comes across like an absolute prick. Just like, you know, when you're talking to someone and because they're a big guy, they think they're intimidating and they just talk to you like... They're better than you because they're big. He just comes across like an utter ball bag. I fucking hated Goldberg in this scene. Like in
1: this scene. Yeah, I, I lost a lot of respect for Goldberg when I've watched this. Uh, but, I mean, it, it kind of ties up with stuff I was reading at the time, that he was, you know, basically a bit of a dickhead.
0: Yep, and that's definitely how he comes across for anyone that hasn't seen this um we then go and chat to sergeant buddy lee parker um before watching nitro itself and louis quite complimentary of the show um he does you know use terms like actors or you know it's scripted and things like that and he's basically you know trying to explain to anyone who somehow in 1999 didn't realize wrestling wasn't a legitimate sport what's going on um but then of course he meets sergeant again and he's totally kayfabed after the show which is just ridiculous
1: yeah, this is what led us to this uh, this program of my utter hatred of of, of the captain, <laughs> old, old Mister Buddy Lee, because he's just—it's ridiculous the way he's he, he reacts and acts. And I know this protecting kayfabe, and obviously, you know, there were plenty of people who stuck up for Doctor Dwight Doctor D Dwight Schultz. His slap on uh, the the. Uh, Reporter back in the 80s. But we're talking 90... This is 99 if it's Berlin. The, Vince has already been on TV and basically said it's not real. Like, we, we're not at a point, like you say, where anybody thinks it's real. So the only person who looks like an idiot is is, is Parker. And, and and just in case anybody's not seen this, it's not like Louis Through comes up to him and goes, it's fake, motherfucker. He just goes, and I couldn't help but noticing, and it might just be me, you know, basically... Uh, but but it looked like some of that stuff could only be done if they were helping each other. Is, is that the case? And like, the even his question isn't, it's fake. Explain it. It's like, I don't understand what I've just watched. And it would be quite easy for uh, for any normal human being in the wrestling business to come up with an answer because he's not being challenged. He's just been asked. It's You know, you could say, well, you learn, you know, like you learn karate or judo. You learn how to fall and roll. It's just part of your wrestling training—that—that that this is what you do to kind of protect yourself—but sometimes you can't. You know what I mean? It's like there, there's 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 kind of the truth, but Parker just goes absolutely fucking do off the deep end.
0: Yeah, it comes across.
1: Which, given his height, is actually the shallow end.
0: <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> Louis then goes to AIWF, this indie show. He chats to a guy called Dean. Um, they then go to a radio show to promote um, with Rick Diesel. Great name. Um, that I'm Sorry, Dean is, is Rick Diesel. Um, it's a pretty funny segment, this one, actually. Um, he then, we skip ahead to him being explained how blading works and him helping to set up the ring um so yeah he comes across quite respectful like he doesn't know anything about wrestling and obviously isn't a fan but he's willing to learn and you know louis quite likable in this segment here and the guys that are helping him from aiwf all come across pretty good as well
1: yeah these are good lads who have just gone you know you know the we'll. there's nothing left to protect really and like you say the, the questioning again is like more like well why would he cut himself on your head or why would you hit yourself in the head for that And night it's, it's not basically
0: saying you're an idiot why are you cutting yourself no not at all he then sees a young guy taking his first ever bumps which looks painful um louis gets in and runs the ropes we go to see another one of the aiwf wrestlers named jody who's working as a mechanic he actually comes across really nice um his workmates giggle when he's cutting his promo for the camera at the mechanic um but overall i thought he'd come across as a really nice guy they then Head to the show, chat backstage to some of the guys, and we see the um, bloody main event and chat afterwards. So you can all probably imagine your local indie and the blood and guts involved there. But um, all the guys on this show all seem to just be, you know, in it together, working together, and and just came came across really good.
1: Like you, you, if you live there, you'd probably support it. You know, it's it's like they're just like some. Some people who just want to do some wrestling are like opposite to Roland, where he's like, I don't want to get too big. These guys are doing it for fun on a weekend. They want to wrestle. They know they're not going to make the big time. They just, they don't really care. I don't think.
0: No, they're just, you know, likable guys trying to put on a show, enjoy themselves. And if one of them gets picked up, they'd all be happy for each other. It's a, it's a, you know, really decent sort of heartwarming segment.
1: It's like Sunday league football for wrestling.
0: (laughs) That's great. And then in the exact opposite, we head off to the power plant. Um, he meets Pez Watley, who puts him in a front face lock and then sort of takes him to promo class where he cuts his own promo, which I'll let you all listen to right about now. Baldos, the... London, England's
4: the place of origin. A new face on the block. Wrestle pistol Pez Whatley, the one and only, the legendary. Am I excited? Am I honoured? You better believe it. Is he going down? I hope so. He's good but he's been in the business a long time and it's time for a new face to take over. Is it me? I hope so. I'm gonna throw every, every, move, I, every move I know. I've been practicing, I've been trying really hard and I'm gonna get in the ring. It's, his time is over. Maybe now it's time for a new face on the block. Me, Waldo, the one and only at the Georgia Dome. This Saturday, tune in Pistol Pez Watley, the legend with the utmost respect. I'm afraid to tell you that I think you are going down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Very so he's good. good with words already. Yeah.
0: Um, Pez Whatley comes across okay here. Like, he seems to be, you know, he's not wanting to go and outwardly break kayfabe on camera, but he also seems to be reasonably helpful to Louis. Um, definitely um, the the nicer of the two main guys in this power plant segment.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's, again, he's, he's walking the tightrope because, you know, why would you need promo class? Because promo it's not a promo. Because you're supposed to be angry at someone, but you know it kind of—they don't—they don't allude to it left, right, and centre. It's—it's
0: all right. He then joins in with the um, the trainees on the physical work, and Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker pushes him hard. Um, he's got his balls out for the whole group here, and just keeps pushing and pushing. He won't let Louie have a drink of water, forces him to face a wall, and just keeps on. Um, being a total prick and just dragging him in and out um he's dragging him by his shirt like he's just honestly he just comes across like an utter cunt i, I can't be any nicer about it
1: nah, and it proves that the amount of people that came out of the power plant to me seemed to be uh, so low
0: absolutely um Hez chats to him afterwards and tries to like he's doing a bit of damage control here. He's not trying to break kayfabe and give it all away, but I think he's trying to soften the relationship. You know, thinking we might actually get sued here. This is ridiculous. Um, and then we get out of there. He goes back to the IWF guys. He's already finished his segment and his event there, but he just goes in for a chat. They chat about getting the wrong barbed wire and it being more dangerous, and they exchange pleasant goodbyes. Like he leaves them on, on good terms. So that was a, a, a much nicer. Uh, send-off than his WCW experience. WCW experience.
1: I think, in a way, it shows why the WWF won and the WCW didn't, because I would like to think there is no way on God's green earth Vince McMahon would allow a BBC reporter to go to whatever they were using as a training facility then Uh I know they were using other schools and the fucking jo- dojo and stuff like that, and sort of like what was left of the territories, and get absolutely beasted by one of the trainers and bullied in that way. Because Vince, there is no way the WWF would uh, like there would be someone with him, and they he would be treated like gold. Because Vince would be like, you know what? This is an avenue into the into the UK for people who don't know uh, anything about wrestling. I'm having that. Whereas WCW probably didn't even know Louis was going to the power plant.
0: Yeah, it just, um, you probably hit the nail on the head there night and day. And, you know, Vince obviously realized beyond the match, showed him in a bad light, despite despite the fact that we all think it sort of showed the good and the bad of wrestling. And he tried to get it stopped. WCW, as far as I'm aware, never did anything to try and stop this and probably didn't even know it was being put out. Being
1: put out. Now, can can you imagine, like, like Louis threw it at the backstage, even then, like, like, obviously, they had the, the guy from Beyond the Map, but can you imagine, Imagine like, Louis doing that documentary in WWF? He wouldn't just be stood in the corridor talking to people walking past. People would be brought to him. He would have either Bruce, Jim Ross, Jim Cornette, if he was there, whoever it was, uh, Briscoe, Pat Pat, whoever, it doesn't matter, I can name thousands of them, would be bringing people to talk to Louis through and making sure that the company line was given. I... Like, that. that... I difference. just can't
0: imagine what went through the head of Parker thinking, like, if he thinks this guy's just coming off his own bat, he should just turn him away. If he realises he's got to let him in because WCW's allowed him to come and have a look, why would he think it's okay to beat the shit out of him on camera for the world to see?
1: No idea. Because let, let's extra, let, let you take that further. Anybody who's going, oh, you know what, I don't mind... I've always been a WCW fan... I'll go to the power plant... To learn to wrestle... They're going to look at that and go...
0: That's not learning to wrestle... Nah, not at all... Um, Would just turn customers away.
1: away... And And I'm not saying in the olden days... I mean it's not like what Buddy Lee Parker was doing... Wasn't something that's been done in wrestling school for years... And it's not that... Well, I'm, 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 I'm as, uh, as naive to think that this hasn't happened... For like probably the 70 or 80 years... That professional wrestling has existed... But to do it on camera is the (laughs) really—that's the thing that gets me.
0: Like every day, every minute of every day, there's a crime committed somewhere in the world. But most people don't go, "Hey, I'm about to murder the next door neighbour. Do you want to bring your documentary crew in and film it for for, you know for future reference? Future
1: reference? Yeah, I'm I'm potentially leaving us open for uh, a bullying claim. So do you want to make sure you get all the footage (laughs) you need, boys?
0: Ridiculous. Um, Louis comes across himself as quite an interesting guy. Not someone that I would expect to have anything to do with wrestling, obviously. But this gave us a really great backstage look at WCW. And I never knew this ex- existed until you told me about it. Um, it was funny. It was lighthearted. It sh- but also showed wrestling for what it really is. And I would 10 on 10 recommend this to anyone that hasn't seen it. It's it's a really good watch.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of like an unsung gem of wrestling documentaries, Absolutely.
0: Um, after watching it though, because, you know, I these two shows, I realised they couldn't really be any further apart if they tried. I genuinely don't know how to rank these against each other. I just think that, like, I really enjoyed both and would recommend everybody watch both of them. I don't know if there's a fair way to, to justify this because, like, one is a very serious documentary, one is a very humorous documentary. They both have a good backstage look at and indie and a major federation, Beyond the Mat's a bit longer, so it squeezes a bit more in. You could probably get a bit more bang for your buck out of that. But also, like, I'm guessing everyone that's listening to this has seen it and may not have seen the Weird Weekend episode. So I don't really have a ranking system, but I would absolutely recommend you watch both of them. What do you think about that, Richie?
1: Yeah, I agree. The uh, I was trying to do it on the usual categories. I'm like, yeah, it does. For humor's sake, talking about the... Uh, documentary maker's uh, work rate would be hubris but now nah, there's they're, they're they're just they're too different to be able to uh to be able to rank against each other just just if if you want to know like what it was like in the 90s or, or or can't believe what it was like yeah just just watch these two because it's a really good absolutely, look
0: absolutely yeah so um no ranking system they're both must watches for wrestling fans that are interested in the inner workings of, of- of the um the companies one's obviously not around anymore ecw's not around anymore either um but yeah just both really really good watches so um thanks a lot richie for getting me onto this i actually really appreciate the um uh, the heads up and this is one of the more enjoyable sets of shows i've watched for the podcast
1: hey it's uh no problem i, I think i think uh there's another cu- couple of we could do uh maybe a couple of months down the line there's uh there's the Channel 4 Wrestling With My Family documentary about Paige getting into the WWE, uh, and which I believe was what The Rock was watching before they made the film. Uh, and there, have you ever heard of the TV programme Don't no. Tell The Bride? No. Right, so it's a UK TV programme where, uh, I think the phrase is bridezillas. Basically, the TV company pays for the wedding. They give them like a 10 grand, 20 grand budget. But the uh, the catch is the bloke has to do all the organisation, and he's not allowed to do, get any information from his wife. So you know, you, some are misguided, some are stupid, some are thoughtless. Uh, but there's one I'm sure it's an English wrestler. And I can't remember his name and his wife, and he does like a. She's like the one thing I don't want is a wrestling themed wedding, and then so obviously he's he sets up a ring and I think there's actual wrestling at the uh, the wedding so that might be worth doing later on down the line again they're good British TV programmes so
0: they're not longer than I think it. I think we could definitely fit that into the schedule at some point that sounds brilliant
1: yeah it's been wild that that one I'd have to rewatch because I've not uh, I think I've only seen it once but uh yeah, I'm sure she's like, I don't want a wrestling <laughs> wedding.
0: And I quite enjoyed the the actual film, uh, Fighting With My Family. Um, so I would definitely be interested in going and watching the documentary. I didn't realize it was based off a documentary, and that was how The Rock um, learned of it. So that'll be a, a really good watch as well.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much of that is, uh, you know, in hindsight, first press for the program, but I'm I'm pretty certain it's, it's something along uh, those lines. Sounds
0: good to me. That could be one of our future episodes. I'm looking forward to that now that now Uh, all right well thank you everybody for listening once again um always good to get back on with richie and and chat some wrestling or or wrestling shows Um, at some point we'll definitely get back on the 93 raw train but this was just a nice change of pace for now to do something different Um, thanks again richie for for jumping on always appreciate it um been a few weeks since we could line this one up but i'm glad we both found a spare moment today to make this happen all right, been good. All right, well, that will do it for us. So thank all right. you all, and we will see you again very soon. Toodleoo,
1: motherfuckers. Toodaloo, motherfuckers.